One of the things I thought about this week was that Christmas time, unlike any other time of the year, is a time of song. No holiday carries a tune like Christmas. Last week we listened to Zechariah. This week we're going to listen to angels who appeared to shepherds in the night sky of Bethlehem. And if you recognize all the different songs that we sing about angels singing that night, it's significant. Nearly almost all of the Christmas carols we sing sing about these angels singing on that night to those shepherds. The first Noel, the first Noel, the angels did say was to certain poor shepherds in in fields as they lay. Hark the herald angels sing. It's another one. Hark. Herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply. They're not the only ones. If you think about it, we've got, O holy night, joy to the world, silent night, what child is this? Come, thou long-expected Jesus, and more, and more, and more. The reason the angels were excited to announce this to mankind and the shepherds on that night is because they saw and understood the great cost of peace. They were announcing something altogether new and different. They were announcing a message of peace. Our passage shows us this morning... Two different paths to peace. Two different conquerors who brought two different kinds of peace. We have two conquerors and one song. Two conquerors and one song. And we will see as we listen to the angels the great cost of peace. This morning we're going to focus primarily on Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 and then verses 13 and 14. But instead of just reading those verses, I'm going to read the whole section, beginning in Luke chapter 2, verses 1, and I'll go all the way down to verse 14. It's going to sound very familiar, but let's look at it again and listen. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is 
this day, born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Lord, we do just that. We ask for you to speak to us. We've just read your word. I pray that you would speak to us through the preaching of your word. Pray that you would help us to listen. And I pray that we would walk away grateful and amazed for the peace that we have with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke, in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, presents to us two different conquerors, two different leaders, two different kings. The first one we meet is the great conqueror Luke calls Caesar Augustus. We meet him in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Now, Caesar is a title, just like um, president, Mr. President, that's a title, it's, it's a title, and he is called Caesar Augustus. This individual is the, is, is the nephew of Julius Caesar. Um, Octa- his name, his friends and family called him Octavian. He was, he was, he, he followed his uncle, Julius Caesar, to the throne. Now, you'll know if you know history, Julius Caesar was assassinated by Brutus, among others, and they killed Julius Caesar to get rid of this man who they saw setting himself up as dictator, and they wanted to restore the Roman Republic. Instead, they brought on a civil war. The winner of the civil war was Octavian, who Luke calls Caesar Augustus. The Roman Republic was conquered by Octavian, and he became the very first Roman emperor. He came to power, and when he came to power, he came to power and got even. Remember, his uncle was assassinated. So what he did was he came to power, and he killed everybody who had anything to do with his uncle's assassination. Not only did he do that, but he also killed anybody who he thought was sympathetic to his uncle's assassination. He led a great army, and he used his army to kill all of his enemies. Any and all who could or would threaten him, he put to the sword. He was a great conqueror. And so as such, he gave himself a great name. He called himself Augustus. This is him changing his name. Augustus means revered or divine. This conqueror, Caesar Augustus, is naming himself God. And the Senate agreed. I mean, they didn't have much choice because if they didn't agree, he'd probably kill them. And so they said, yeah, you're a god. Uh, We'll put you in the Pantheon. And they did just that. They put Octavian in the Pantheon and they conscripted poets to write all kinds of glowing things about him. One poet said, Octavian, your birthday signals the beginning 
of the good news for the world, or the gospel for the world. Another inscription found in a, Ro- in a Roman city in Turkey said, Augustus, or Octavian, is the father, now listen to this language, is the father of his divine homeland, Rome, inherited by his father, Zeus, and a savior of the common folk. His foresight not only fulfilled the entreaties of all people, but surpassed them, making peace for land and sea, while cities bloom with order, harmony, and good seasons, the productivity of all things is good and at its prime. There are fond hopes for the future and goodwill during the present, which fills all men so that they ought to bear pleasing sacrifices and hymns. Do you see what this is calling for? This is calling Octavian the son of Zeus, the son of God. This is saying Octavian, the reason that we have robust crops is because of your great leadership. The reason that we have productivity is because of your great leadership. The reason that we have a homeland is because you have saved us. This is what they're saying to Octavian. They were saved because there was no power who could threaten him. And the people, as long as they stayed on Octavian's good side, they had peace. He was a bringer of good news. Because these, what, what, he brought the good news of success and prosperity to Rome. Under his reign, roads were constructed and trade increased. And Rome became prosperous and a world-dominating power. He was called the Son of God. His successes were so numerous that people regarded him as more than a man, but a god. And so they worshipped him in song and in sacrifice. Most significantly, Octavian, whom Luke calls Caesar Augustus in Luke chapter 2, was known for the peace that he brought. He ushered in a two-century time frame, what's, what historians call Pax Romana. It's peace, the Roman peace. He brought Roman peace to the world. There were no more civil wars after him for centuries. The reason is because he used his armies to kill everybody who would be a threat. That's a peace after a sort. Now, there's no enemies to fight. There's no war. There's no lands to conquer. And so what's he going to do? He's going to count his conquered subjects. That's what he does. The man who declared himself to be a god decided to show the world that he was the great conqueror he thought he was, and so he took inventory of all that was his, and he counted people. The whole known world was in the palm of his hands. No one had more power. No one had more influence. No one had more fame or glory or strength or accolades. Here, Octavian, he was the one who had everything. And so, why not measure it? So in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The conqueror wanted to know what he had. He's one conqueror in our passage. The other conqueror is Mary's baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Christ, the conqueror. Octavian 
celebrates himself. Jesus is celebrated by others. Notice, Octavian had to give his own decree, saying, count my subjects. Jesus, quite the contrary, have others decreeing things about him. The angels, they're saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now before we get to that, let's just remember where we are in the story. We have shepherds keeping watch outside Bethlehem in the abandoned fields. Now these shepherds were watching over sheep that would, in all likelihood, become sacrifices at Passover time. And these shepherds, shepherds were the lowest of the low in Palestinian society. There was no job that paid less. There was no profession that was looked down upon more. Society mistrusted them. And there was nothing that indicated that these shepherds were devout or even God-fearing. In fact, shepherds could not participate in religious observances of that day because they were ritually unclean. They came in contact with dirty animals and oftentimes dead animals. And so no one wanted them around. Yet the angels announced the coming of Jesus, the conqueror, to, the, to, to the one, one of the most despised kind of people. Verse 10, fear not, speaking to the shepherds. They come not to the halls of the great. They don't come to the Oval Office. They go to the lowest of the low. And unto them, verse 11, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, if you were to paint a picture in your mind's eye of these angels in verse 13, how would you picture them? Bright? Yes. Shiny? Yes. But would you think of them in robes and strumming harps? That's the way I've always thought of them. But Luke tells us something here that we need to pay attention to. He says, this is a heavenly host praising God. This is a regiment. This is a, this is, these are fighters. These are, this is an angel army arrayed in the sky above the shepherds. These angels constitute a heavenly army. When has an army ever been mustered to fight that was tasked to announce peace? That's what this is right here. And they say, glory to God, peace to men. God is a, is a warrior ready to fight for his people. And Christ invaded enemy territory by becoming a baby. That night in Bethlehem, that is the beginning of the war. And if you're a shepherd, you see an angel army loaded to the gills, armed and ready to fight. It's no wonder that you're afraid. But instead of being attacked, the angels sing a song and tell them of some great news that's happening in the town of Bethlehem. This is that angel, legion of angels that Jesus 
references at his arrest when he says, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? There they are. They're in Luke chapter 2. But this angel army is mustered not to fight, but to announce. Octavian, he sent a decree saying, be counted. I want to see how powerful I am. Jesus had others decree that he had come and he showed his power by becoming one of his people. Armies, armies fight, but this army announced. Armies fight, but this army announced. How did Octavian use his army? Octavian used his army to cut down anyone that would be a threat. Octavian killed with the sword. Octavian used his authority to destroy. Octavian conquered everyone so that he might have the ultimate seat of power. Octavian's army did not announce peace. Jesus's did. Jesus is a conqueror completely different than Octavian. Jesus did not show up riding at the head of an angel army. He came as a humble baby. Jesus came he came to be numbered amongst his subjects, not to kill those he found to be a threat. Even more than that, we know, as we keep reading in the Bible, we know that Jesus, he came to conquer by being conquered. Instead of killing those who would threaten him, he was killed so that those who, who, count, those who follow him might have life. Two different kinds of conquerors. Two different kinds of peace. Octavian's peace is just the peace that happens when everybody's dead and there's no one left to fight. Jesus' peace is altogether different. And we see and hear in the song. We've met our two conquerors now. We listen to one song. One song. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest. Now, that's an old song. That's a song that angels had sung for centuries. Around the throne, these angels and others had been singing of the majesty and importance of God since before creation. Angels were created with the, the specific purpose of Ascribing to God the utmost importance in the universe, the utmost glory. Angels sang of the glory of God. And they sang of the glory of God because they knew God to be of the most glory in all the universe. He had more importance and more weight. He has more importance and more weight than anyone. And it would be wrong not to give voice to that reality. And that's what they did. If we could peek into the heavenly throne room, we would hear the angels singing to God. In fact, that's exactly what we hear in Revelation chapter 4. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. That's an expansion of this song. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. That's an old song. 
heaven has been continually offering praise to God. What's different is what comes next. What's new is what comes next. What is to be celebrated is what comes after that. Glory to God in the highest. Now the angels added new stanza, a special stanza, a stanza that no one expected. They say, and on earth, peace. <laughs> peace. Never, never since the garden, never since the garden could peace be sung about or announced to mankind. Glory to God in the highest, absolutely. But peace on earth, no way. The earth was many things, but it was not peaceful. The natural state of things in this world was war and strife. Not just nation against nation, but one race against another race. One political party against another political party. One who wants power versus one who has power. Brother versus sister. Husband versus wife. Us versus them. War and strife is the natural way of things here on earth. And yet, the angels appear to the shepherds and announce a word of peace. Peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace. Now you might wonder, if these angels who had all this power, were announcing peace, why don't we experience more peace here and now? And that's a very good question. These angels don't promise peace in every regard on earth immediately. No, they're coming to give a message to a very specific group of people. Who? Let's keep listening to their song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is not peace to every person everywhere. This is peace to those with whom God is pleased. Who are those people? Who are those people with whom God is pleased? It's those who respond to Jesus in the right way. It's those who come to Him. It's those who trust in Jesus. It's those who who look to Him. It's those who receive the offered gift of salvation from Jesus. It's those who regard Jesus as a Savior and Christ the Lord. Jesus, one day, will make all things right, and this world will be what it was designed to be. It will be completely restored, and there will be nothing but unending peace. But, peace that this angel army announced is the possibility of peace between mankind and God. Mankind and God. That's the peace. You know what? And that's the mission of Jesus Christ. To bring peace with God. The natural state of things for humanity is war with God. It's the natural state of things. Everyone left to our own devices is against God, at war with God. That's what sin is. Sin is treason, cosmic treason against a good God. 
the announcement of peace says that you don't need to be treated as your sins deserve. There's another way. There's another way. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The peace came to earth in the form of Jesus. Now we all know that Jesus did not stay a baby. He did not remain in the manger forever. He came and brought peace by dying. The method and the mode and the, the means of peace is came on the day when Jesus died on that cross. There, the peace came to earth on a day when there were no angels to sing. It came on a day when all light seemed to go out. It came on the day when the glory of God seemed hidden behind all consuming darkness. It came on a day when the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. Peace came on that day. Peace came on the day that that Jesus died in the place of all who trust in Him. When the baby became a man. That's when peace came to earth. Because Jesus was treated as our sins deserved, we receive the peace and the love and the blessing that He deserved. It was Jesus instead of us. So that we might have peace with God. God made, might think of it this way, God made war on Jesus so that we might be those who only know peace from God. That's what the angels are singing about. That's, that's what they're singing about. We have peace. Imagine this from an angelic perspective. Your job, created from the beginning, is to sing to this God of His majesty, of His glory. It's to give voice to the reality of the greatness of God. This is what you do day in and day out. This is what you do year in and year out. This is what you do decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia. That's what you do. You just sing to the glory of God because that is the only right and appropriate response. And you've sung for all this time to God the Son, arrayed in all His glory in heaven. You've sung glory to God in the highest and you've seen Him shine brighter than the sun. And then all of a sudden, He becomes a baby. And these beings who had no sin and are unredeemed and had no angelic Savior, these beings shout to joy, shout for joy, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Jesus, the conqueror, was conquered. The means by which he brought peace was through being killed. Jesus the conqueror was conquered. 
The angels were not just announcing a message of peace. They were proclaiming the means and the way of peace. The way mankind could experience peace with God is that the good news of Christmas is this. God has become a man. God has come close to bring us, to bring us to his Father. On our own, we could never live at peace with God, but God sent his Son so that we might so that we might be able to have one to take our place, so that we might be able to experience a peace that defies understanding and explanation. Jesus was conquered for those that ran far from him. Jesus became a man so that we might be able to come to God. You see, the angels sang because they understood the great cost of peace. In one regard, they understood what it cost Jesus to go from eternal God, uncreated, to a baby. They got that. They understood that. They understood that God, God the Son became a man. They understood that and it blew their minds that God would stoop to come to earth and become one of his creatures. They got that. And they sang. I don't know if they understood how much further Jesus would go. What he would do to bring peace. What he would do to give peace to his people. He would die. This army that he could have marshaled to destroy all of his enemies instead sang of the one who would be destroyed for his enemies. The one who would be treated as a sinner for sinners. The one to whom God would say, I reject you so that we might be accepted. The one who stood in between God and man as a man to experience the wrath of God. That's the peace that the angels are singing about here. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Peace. You see, the message of Christmas is a message of peace at great cost. Peace with a frightening price tag. Peace at the cost of God the Son. No wonder the angels sang. Peace is not just the end of hostility. That's not the peace they're singing about. That's what our English word peace can sometimes mean. That we once were fighting, we still hate each other, but we're not fighting. That's not the peace that's being talked about here. This is a different sort of peace. This is a peace that says not just I, we will not fight, but also I will give you blessing and love and hope and harmony. That, that's what the peace is that we have with God. He loves you. He protects you. He cares about you. He gives you favor. Christian, that's what he's done for you. 
does this piece make you sing? It's marvelous to me that he would enter this world to give me peace. And you know what I have to confess? At Christmas time and other times, I am much more aware of small little anxieties and troubles and hardships, worries and fears and all kinds of what-if scenarios that play off in my mind. I'm more aware of that than the peace that I have with Jesus. So many times. I forget to sing because I forget what God has done for me in Christ. I forget that God became man to give me peace with God. I forget that our God came into our world to experience hardship like we do. To experience temptation like we do. To face hardship like we do. Yet without sin. To bring us peace. I can be more aware of my problems than the peace I have with Christ. And that ought not be. In this world, he promises we'll have trouble but also we'll have peace with God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Peace. May that peace that we have as Christians make us sing and marvel and shake our heads and say, wow, if angels can get excited about this, maybe I should too. We have more to sing about than the angels did. Way more. Way more. We have peace with God. Maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you see where it says, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And you think, well, there's no way he could be pleased with me. That's the reality for everybody. Nobody is naturally pleasing to God. These shepherds were not naturally pleasing. These shepherds were scoundrels and brigands, petty thieves and troublemakers. The reason, the reason that there can be a category of people with whom God is pleased is because there are people who will trust in Jesus. Jesus, and through Jesus and his sacrifice, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his future return, his work is what makes somebody pleasing. When you trust in Jesus and say, forgive me for my sins and bring me peace with God, you now find yourself in the category that the angels sing about when they sing, peace among those with whom he is pleased. If you're not a follower of Jesus, talk to someone you know who is and ask them about the peace that comes through Christ. Christians, we have great reason to celebrate. We have peace at great cost. Jesus, our conqueror, conquered sin and death. He destroyed our enemies instead of destroying us as enemies. He brings us peace, not because everybody's dead, but because he died and rose again. Praise be to God, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray.
God, I am grateful that we have, as Christians, as a church, we have peace. A peace we could never earn, a peace we could never broker, a peace we could never negotiate, but yet a peace that is ours nonetheless. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of peace that we have, where we can recognize that our God, God the Son, has come close to bring us to God the Father. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and living and dying so that we might be able to live forever, so that we might be able to have peace with God. Though we are sinners and fall short in all kinds of different ways, thank you that we can still be of those with whom you are pleased. Because there is no one you are pleased with like your son. Because of our association with you, Jesus, we know that we are those with whom you are pleased, and we are grateful for peace. I pray that in this Christmas season and all throughout the year, we would be a people who marvel at the peace that we have with an almighty God. I pray that we'd be grateful for our forgiveness, grateful for our hope, grateful for our future, grateful for our life, and may we join those angels on a regular basis, singing glory to God in the highest and unearth peace, because that's our experience. Thank you. Jesus, thank you. I pray you would bless us all this week. Help us to have moments in our days and our weeks that we just stop and say, wow, I have peace with God. Jesus, thank you for that peace. It's in your name we pray. Amen.